Hi, dreamers. This is Lucy, and welcome to another episode of the Self Made Expats with Lucy Jan, where I interview expats from all across the globe to share their inspiring and motivating stories. Today, I'm here with. Adam, I'm super excited to have him with us today. Adam is originally from the UK, and now he lives in Singapore. Actually, him and I used to work together in Singapore, and that's how we know each other. So, Adam has been working in recruitment for about a decade, but he actually has started his career as a personal trainer in the UK, which we are going to uncover today. In 2010, he moved to Singapore and started his career as a recruiter. And now, after working in recruitment for over a decade, I can confidently say that he is the expert in IT recruitment. Welcome to the show, Adam. So great to have you here. I'm glad you can say I'm the expert in IT recruitment. Not everybody would agree, but I appreciate the confidence. I agree. <laughs> Thank you. So. Yeah,、um, happy to have you here today. So, let's、uh, begin with your earlier career as a personal trainer in the UK. So, you started your career as a personal trainer, and I know it's many many years ago. But I'm just curious, how did you start your career as a personal trainer, and is that something that you always dreamed about since you were young? I'll be honest. So prior to my personal training days, I was doing some sort of like what I would call acting work. But like, if truth be told, it wasn't it wasn't what most people would consider acting to be. I was more of an extra. I did some some really weird jobs. I think at the time, I, I was all about getting experience and life experience. I wasn't so concerned about grades. And a lot of my friends were at university, which I decided not to do. And in my younger days, all I wanted to do was have fun. And I wanted to kind of just test myself and do some weird and wacky things, and you know I did that. So I was, I was doing some acting jobs. I moved to London.、Uh, I'm not originally from London, and、um, you know spent some time. I was, you know, went went to do some auditions, worked some shows, but quickly realised that I wasn't exactly Leonardo DiCaprio.、Um, <laughs> so you're、um, close. You're close. It, well, it, it was. It definitely wasn't going to be a career, but. One thing I thought I, I could do. I've always been interested in fitness, so the opportunity came up to do a, a personal training course.、Um, I wanted to stay in London for a while, and I thought this would give me, you know, whatever I did in my life, if it, if I didn't use it professionally, I could use it personally. So I just ended up signing up for this personal training and sports massage course, which I did, and、um, you know, did that for a while. Met some. Super interesting people from all walks of life. I mean, London's a real sort of melting pot,、uh, an international city. So there's people from all over the world. And at the time, I was a guy from a small town. They didn't have, you know, I'd meeting people from countries I, I, you know, not saying I'm not heard of, but I didn't know anyone from. And we had a great time. We got together for three months. You know, learned a lot、uh, from all walks of life. From the, you know, the the dedicated athlete their whole life. To there was、mm-hmm. one guy who was just like, you know. Guy in his late fifties, he'd come over from Georgia, had all sorts of health issues, and he just wanted to do it because he wanted a license to open a gym. So、wow. one guy that was a, a theatre actor that wanted to kind of expand his portfolio, and a couple of guys who were professional boxers that you know they were they were、wow. uh, getting fed up and getting punched in the head every day, so wanted something <laughs> to do outside of that. So did that for a few months, and、um, 
the course where I was doing it was in Islington in North London. And then there was a, a, a gym there, a Virgin Active gym, and I, I started working in there shortly afterwards. So I managed to do that. And, you know, personal training is one of those things. It's generally people are in the morning, they're in the evening. So I'd be getting up super early every day. And then, but in the middle of the day, there wasn't a lot to do. So I'd still be trying to do some of my acting stuff. So I, I, I say there was no such thing as a typical day, but quite often I would be getting on the tube, it's pitch black, going to the gym first thing in the morning, train a couple of people, and then heading into somewhere in central London to go for an audition where I'd have to walk into a room, put a strange outfit on, pull a funny face. <laughs> They'd generally say no. I would then leave and go back to work as a personal trainer. And, you know, it was fun. I mean, I wasn't earning much money, but to be honest, at the time, it was all about the experience. Um, the people I was living with at the time were, you know, bankers, they were traders, they had these these proper jobs. You know, they'd come home every night with a suit on, looking stressed. And I'd be sat there and we'd talk about our days and they were vastly different. Um, but yeah, I have no regrets on that. It was, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and then I ended up leaving London because, you know, I, I wasn't earning the money that I needed to. London was an expensive city. Mm-hmm. So I had the opportunity to move to Marbella in the south of Spain, um, which is kind of glamorous. It's uh, known as the Costa del Sol in the UK, but uh, oh, also known yes. as, the, as, the, as the Costa del Crime as well. As I, when I lived there for a while, I realised that was that was the case. But my my dad had lived there for ten years. I wanted to go and spend some time with him, and quite frankly, he was fed up with the London weather. So, like the idea of waking up every morning to palm trees and sunshine and you know, went over to, to be a trainer, um, didn't probably work as hard or do as much training as I would like. I think I got caught up in the lifestyle a little bit too much. <laughs> and, um, you know, after after a year of doing that, you know, which was amazing, I thought, you know, it's probably time to go and get into something a little bit more serious now because, you know, I was, I was, getting, I was getting a little bit older. I was having a lot of fun, but my friends all were kind of settling down with proper jobs. And, as nice as it was, I could see the writing on the wall for me. And, you know, Marbella is not the sort of place where you, you know, yeah, it it wasn't the right place for me for a number of reasons. So sort of tail between my legs, I came, went back to the UK and figured I'd try try and start a career. Wow. There are so much to uncover from that one answer, to be honest. I have so many questions. Thanks for sharing with us. So, um... Let's talk about your acting career. I'm really curious. So, well, obviously, this is uh, just a podcast, so you, you guys don't really see his face. But I, I met him. So, if you guys know Matt Damon, he looks very similar to Matt Damon, and I, he, he has an actor kind of aura. <laughs> I can confirm that. But wh- why did you want to be an actor? Uh, I guess that's the first question. And is that something that you're still kind of, because I guess it was your dream uh, when you were young and you, you told me you kept doing it even when you were a personal trainer. So definitely I think it's something that you're passionate about. Is that, is that still something that you regret, you know, regret a little bit? Like, oh, maybe I should have tried harder. No, because I, I, I was, I was, I was useless. I mean, let's get. It wasn't def- the thing I wanted to do as a kid. I just wanted to have fun. So mm-hmm. I started off by doing just stuff when I would be 
So I signed up for a, a, a talent agency. And at the time, they were like, yeah, we're going to get you some like, you know, acting jobs. I mean, nothing, nothing, nothing big or, or TV. And this is this is a, a true story. So I go and sign up for this agency in my hometown of Coventry. And I'm super excited. And I walk out. I'm like, wow, I guess, does that make me an actor now? <laughs> and they signed me up for my first job. So I was pretty excited. And it was literally my job was to be the back end of a cow uh, dressed oh. up for the National Dairy Show. So okay. I was the back end of a cow. There was a guy who was a, a, a swimmer who was the front end of the cow. And I had to walk around with udders on whilst farmers were grabbing hold of me all afternoon. And that was my first official acting gig. And I'd like to say it got better from there, but there was a lot of ups and downs. And I, I did some, you know, I, I, did, I, did some, I did some costume character work <laughs> for a costume while. Costume character work? Yes. So, you know, you know, those, 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 those crazy people you'd see dressed in the costumes. Like I did that. I was, wow. I was the, I was actually the um, Olympic mascot in Greece many years ago. And I was also the uh, captain of the England football mascots uh, many years ago as well for one game. So I, I did some, some interesting stuff like that. Um, and then I, I guess my uh, my peak was I, I got selected to be like a featured extra in a in a in a commercial for sort of a major sportswear brand, mm-hmm. and I'm a big like EPL soccer fan, and some of the greatest footballers in the world were there. And for, for a week in a very cold field in London, I got to sort of hang around with those guys, and that was the peak for me. It was it, it was great, and the commercial now it's still on YouTube, and if you pause it at exactly the really? right moment. You can see me for about half a second. So I would say that is probably the highlight of my career. And then other, I guess other than that, there was a, um, a TV show called Blind Date, which was quite a famous dating show back in the UK, which ran for years. And I went on that and actually got to be on the show. So Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah I did that. And it was... It, it still haunts me to this day because my special skill, if you call it that, and they ask you what your special skill was, was the ability to do Donald Duck. And when I first said that during the audition, I didn't think it'd come back to haunt me. But next thing I know, I'm singing happy birthday and Donald Duck to somebody in the audience. And, and that show is watched by between sort of 10 and 15 million people. Oh, wow. um, and actually a friend of mine unearthed that, clip the other day and sent it to me and I shared it with some colleagues at work and now they play it at work whenever they get the opportunity to so it's come back to haunt me uh, for something I did nearly 20 years ago wow can I can I watch that as well is it like can I search it on YouTube or well funnily enough it you know they didn't feel it important enough to keep it because I wasn't one of the most memorable characters but um <laughs> I have I have I have a clip of it on my Instagram so yeah I'm, I'm sure I can share it with you afterwards <laughs> Sounds good. And how old were you? And how many years have you tried this acting acting thing? I mean, I, I'm giving away my age here, but this was I was I was 21, you know, full of life, wearing double wow. denim, uh, the world ahead of me. Um, so I did I did it for a few years. When I, when I moved to Spain, um, you know, by that stage, I'd sort of you know decided the acting thing wasn't for me, and I wanted to focus on the fitness side of things. Mm-hmm. So I was into that then. Um, I mean, never say never again, right? But I'm not sure. I think the time the time has passed me by. It was fun while it lasted. There's some there's some funny stories. Not all of them I can share right now. 
Um, but, you know, just, just, you know, when I look back at what I did when I was younger, it wasn't the traditional path, mm-hmm. but I you know I, I have no regrets. Wow. Fantastic. It, you know, it's, it's very easy to compare ourselves with others, especially, you know, you were living your wild and fun and, you know, kind of life, which I like as well. But how did you stop, you know, how did you, I, I guess my question would be, how did you not really compare yourself with your peers? When I mean, I compare myself, doing, yeah. I compare myself favorably, as, as bad as it sounds, they were getting these mortgages and getting these houses and getting these good jobs. And they were probably looking at me going, wow, you really need to sort your life out. But I was looking at them going, wow, how boring. So I, I was wow. like, um, someone described me as Peter Pan, and some still do, as never wanting to grow up. Um, so I think that was right. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't comparing myself to anyone. Really. I was just looking at them going, okay, and if that's what you want to do, but it's not for me. I didn't want to be living in the UK and living what I thought at the time was like a fairly mundane existence. Like I liked the excitement. I liked not knowing what was next. Um, but then when I got to a certain point, like I, I'd reached a point in Spain where, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I could I could see it going in the wrong direction for a variety of different reasons. The time was right to to go to the UK uh, I'd actually met my my now wife there. Uh, happened to be on holiday, and I think, yeah, that was in, in Spain the, or in the UK. In Spain, yeah, she in Spain. To, wow, yeah, she happened to be there on vacation, and I was, um, you know, bleach blonde hair, like you know what I'd call a proper Marbella guy at the time, which is not not a not a compliment. I look back at pictures now and I, I wince, uh, but I met her there, and um, ironically, she was from my hometown, and was like, well you know, if we're going to make a go of this, then maybe you should come back home. And um, I did. And uh, the rest is history. Wow. I didn't know about this story. Wow. Well, at least like, you know, you met your love of your life in Spain. So meant to be, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, well, so you changed your kind of like, quote unquote, career, I guess, from actor to you know, personal trainer, and now you are, well, you've been in recruitment for over a decade. And you told me like you were this wild, you know, person <laughs> and you just prefer to not knowing, you know, what's ahead of you. But now you're, you know, pretty settled and working in recruitment for 10 years. Um, how did you, you know, how, how, how were you able to transition so well, I guess? So it wasn't easy. So when I came back to the UK and like reality hit and the sunshine had gone and the, the parties and the bars and I was like, needed to earn some money. Um, I need. I figured I needed a, a proper job. And I, I tried to do some personal training in the UK at first, but the town I was living in, they just, I was in this area where people just didn't have the money, right? You know, when I was working in London, people had 50, 60 pounds an hour to spend on a personal trainer. But I remember going up to this this guy in the gym one day. And I was like, hey, do you want a trainer? And he goes, I'm here in the middle of the day. Do you think? He's like, this means I don't have a job. I don't have don't a Don't talk to me. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Like, you know, and I realized no one was, was really paying for it. And I, I wasn't in a prime location. And by then, my sort of heart was going out of it. I wasn't the healthiest guy. I was probably eat of my diet wasn't great and I, I wasn't looking like a personal trainer so I was starting to kind of lose the passion for it uh because the people I was working with in London had like 
huge passion for it. Mm. They're athletes. They were all like top of their game. And like, when I was working with them, it inspired me. I didn't have the inspiration. So, you know, I, I realized at the time I needed what I'd call a proper job, uh, not to be disrespectful to personal training, but I was never going to take it on too much further. So I decided and I, I thought, what do I want to do? And I thought, well, maybe something to do with fitness, maybe selling fitness equipment. So I went to a, what you call a rec to rec, like a, a recruiter that finds well, just, yeah, just like a recruit, standard recruitment agency. Went to meet this guy in, in Birmingham, England. And he says, what do you want to do? I said, I think I want to maybe sell fitness equipment. You know, I think I could, I could, I could do that. Cause I've done some demonstrations in the past in some stores about some fitness stuff. And he goes, what about IT recruitment? And I said, what's that? And he's like, I know a bloke and I'll introduce you to him. So next thing I know, he's walking me across the road to this guy. He's I want you to, I want you to meet this guy called Richard. He says, come to Good Emerald. And I said, oh, I, I don't know what IT recruitment is. So as we walk in there, he gives me the spiel, right? Tells me what to say. Yeah. So I go in and I meet this guy. Next thing I'm interviewing for an IT recruiter job. <laughs> and I, I, I guess I did well. So they called me back in a few days later and they, they want you to go meet the other director. Now, I was living quite far from Birmingham at the time and I was like, the commute was long and I didn't really want to do it. So went back for the second interview anyway. And I remember this director is this super aggressive, skinhead, British guy, archetypal sort of recruiter guy. Yeah. And he looks at my CV and he goes, this is the wooliest thing I've ever seen. What a lot. And he basically, and I said, he has, there's more holes in this. And he was, and I remember, and I was like, okay, I, I got annoyed with him. And I think I even swore at him at one point during the interview. Wow. And I was like, that didn't go well. But it turns out it did because he was trying to get a reaction. And it, it was, it was that type of environment. So next thing I know, I'm starting working there. Still not really knowing what IT recruitment is, by the way. And, you know, I, I get there and it's, it was a strange environment. It was a bit of a, a boiler room type environment back then. The turnover was high. People were really working there because they just, every, no one ever dreams of getting into IT recruitment. And that's one thing I'll say. So it's yeah. people that have tried other stuff like yeah. acting. There was a guy that like an ex real estate agent. There was like, there was, there was people from all walks of life. Right. Mm -hmm. And some of them are like, you know what? The best way to make a buck with the low barriers to entry is recruitment. But people would be getting like, you know, would be getting every couple of weeks, people be getting fired, people would be quitting. And I was like, this is wild. But <laughs> I think the competitive nature of things, because I was always competitive, mm -hmm. I enjoyed that. I mean, it was if if I look back to like how it was then with like I and D and like, you know, the, the way corporates are these days, you know, they wouldn't get away with a lot of stuff they did. But at the time as, as, as a young guy, it was like, I don't know, it, it, it kind of worked for me. Um, you were only, if you'd build a lot of money that month, you were the king. If you hadn't mm. built anything that month, you were literally, you know, lower than a snake's belly. So <laughs> it was, you know, I, I enjoyed that. And you know, the, the, the biggest adaptation was I'd gone from being a pretty fit guy doing exercise all the time. And I remember having to go to the, the, the hospital for a checkup and they looked at my weight at the time. And I was, um, I was like 30 pounds heavier than I was. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'd, um, 
but it happened because I'm wearing lots of layers of clothes and I realized I was, I was just eating really bad. So I was, um, so that was probably the biggest adaptation, just being sat down all day and uh, <laughs> just comfort eating and long commutes and yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, I didn't know that you have this competitive like characteristic. Obviously, you know, when I come across anybody who is into athlete, most of them are quite competitive. I noticed that. But I guess like you really enjoyed, you know, being the winner. You really enjoyed the game when you were in IT recruitment, I guess. But what were some of the things that you really liked about? Well, I don't know, but you really enjoyed about your job as an IT recruitment. Obviously, you didn't hate it. That's why you're working in the IT recruitment for over a decade. So are there any things that you want to share with us? But it's really changed. I mean, I need to point out, I mean, this was back on the agency side of things. I mean, now I do internal and the two jobs are, are so different. I mean, there's definitely transferable skills. But if I look back, the agency side was perfect for me when I was younger. All respect for those doing that. All, you know, all respect. I, I, I wouldn't have the, the energy, the ability to, to go in there and be pitching and selling all the time. And it's hard now because of people like me doing internal have made the job a lot harder. Um, so yeah, if I look at it back then, I enjoyed the competitive nature, the fact we're all in it together. You're trying to beat the other person, but you're still a team. It was a bit sort of cowboy-esque in, in the early days because we were quite a small company that wanted to make it seem like we we're a lot bigger than we were. And we managed to really compete against the bigger guys. Hmm. And I was always proud of us for that. You know, we weren't in London, whereas all the other companies were in London. We were truly european and then went international and i love that the fact that like we were we were scrappy and feisty and you know that mm -hmm. company now has gone on and done great things and a lot of the people that i work with are now doing really big jobs globally so you know it was an amazing thing because there was those that didn't last a couple of weeks but there was some of them that lasted there for quite a long time and i think if you could get through that and you could do like six months there it set you in good stead for everything else. So I think that was that was cool. That was something like I really appreciated. So, you know, but if I look at what I do now, like the internal bit, it's, you know, it, it, it's far more interesting for me because on the agency side, you only ever get to see one side of things. It's transactional, right? Mm -hmm. Now, you know, maybe, and I, I don't want to offend any agency recruiters here, but I felt on the agency side, you only ever hear one side of what's going on. And I wanted to understand the organization, what makes people tick, why a role comes live, what they're really looking for. And when you work directly for a company and you understand the culture and what they're looking to do, you feel like you're part of that overall mission. And, and that, for me, has been hugely rewarding. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. And now we talked about your career transition from, you know, personal trainer to the uh, IT recruiter. Now let's talk about your move to Singapore. So you're, you know, living your life pretty good as IT recruiter uh, in the UK and you moved to Singapore in 2010. Why? So, I mean, I'd lived in Australia before and I did kind of the whole like, you know, I lived, I did the whole backpacking thing, loved it, traveled across Asia, was like, I loved Australia and I loved Asia. And I'm like, okay, I, you know, I don't ever want to live in the UK long-term again. Then I, you know, lived in London, moved to Spain. So I was like, always had that thing in me. I wanted to be overseas. And then I moved back to the UK for, for my now wife. And um, 
I'd been back about a year and a half and I was like, I was getting itchy feet. I was like, I don't want to do this. It's long commute. It's a bit miserable here. And I remember it was not long before we got married and I sat on the couch and I was watching some, some rubbish on TV and I was like, I don't know. I've, I've, I've had enough of this. So I, I, without telling anyone, I just, I was like, where do I want to live? And I thought, oh no, Switzerland seems fun. So I fired off a CV to this company in Switzerland and I didn't think anything of it. And the next day I get a phone call from this, this guy saying, Hey, we're keen to meet you for an interview. Can you come to Zurich this week? What? thought this is escalated and I remember having to like really struggling to get a day off work at the last last minute and Mm -hmm. um, I just flew to Zurich for a day and and this was all within a space of a couple of days and like I didn't tell anyone what I was doing and I went over there (laughs) had this interview and I was like kind of overlooking the mountains and I thought this would be cool you know came (laughs) and um and I remember, because I hadn't told my work I was going away, I, t- I had to give him some sob story about, you know, I mm-hmm. needed some time off for, for something. But you're an actor, and, so uh, uh, yeah, I'm well, sure you did a, good. A, fa- a failed actor. <laughs> and all, all was going swimmingly because I had my phone turned off. But at the airport flying back, I had I turned my phone on. So somebody from the office called me and there was a foreign ringtone. So I go back in the next day and they were like, where were you yesterday? And I was like, oh, you know, you know, just Birmingham. And they're like, there was a foreign ringtone. And I was like, how weird. Um, but long story short, um, they called and offered me the job. And I, and I remember said to the wife, I've just been offered a job in Zurich. And she's like, you need to consult me on these sorts of things. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> and I was like, fair. So I, I, I turned them down. And like, obviously, I was like, you know, I felt bad about it because they'd flown me over there. And it was, you know, it got out. And I felt really bad about them. They probably still hate me to this day, which is fair enough. But like we said, look, she, she goes, I'll move, but not until after the wedding, and it has to be somewhere hot. So I was like, mm. all right, okay, okay. So, like all good stories start, I was in a pub. And um, basically, the company I used to work for in the UK was this guy called Matt, who went to work for a rival company. And he goes, hey, every every week, what we do, we invite recruiters down, we fill them full of beer, and we try and convince them to come and join us. Why didn't you come along? And I said... I wouldn't leave where I am now because, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great company. And he goes, don't worry. It's just a chance for me and you to have a chat. So a few drinks into it, they come over and they start being like, you know, why don't you come and join us? And I said, look, I'd only move if the role was overseas. Then the HR guy comes over and he goes, where would you want to go? And I said, Asia. It was a throwaway statement. And he's wow. like, well, we've just opened an office in Singapore. What do you think? And I was like, yeah, great. And cool. And by the way, I'd never been to Singapore. And I, I, I get home and I'm kind of like wake up the next day and I get a phone call. It's like, right, we want you to interview with uh, the country manager for Singapore. So I do that. And uh, they're like, okay, well, wh- when are you next going to be in Singapore so we can meet you? And I was like, oh, I hadn't thought that far ahead. But <laughs> as it happened, <laughs> we were going on honeymoon in Borneo. So they were like, well, okay, why don't you do this? Tag on a few extra days at the end of your honeymoon and fly to KL and we'll meet you there. So him and the MD flew in and it was it was weird. We spent a few weeks out in the jungle. Yeah. I looked like Tom Hanks in Castaway. I was like, <laughs> you know, I was like full on like the guy that just come from the jungle. And then we had to go and stay in this hotel and like, all of a sudden I had to try and make myself look a little bit professional, right? And then get my professional head on. 
I sat there at the yeah. Shangri-La Hotel in, in, in KL there for an interview. And then, um, yeah, they, off, they offered me the job and then uh, you know, came back and then, you know, moved, moved out here a couple of months after that. Um, and it was, uh, you know, it was, it was funny because, you know, it was me wanting to move over and, you know, no disrespect to the company that moved me over. But back then it was super easy to get in. They just gave me a single flight just for me. And I kind of funded my own hotels and everything. And it was a, a low base salary, high commission type role. So it was, it was risk, right? Mm-hmm. And it could have gone horribly wrong. Um, and I remember meeting people that had like working for some of these banks or some of these big companies that had me been flown over business class and put up in these five-star hotels for months and had all of these people look after them. And I was like, wow, this is a whole different experience. Um, and the first couple of months was a little bit tough. Like we were living you know, hand to mouth a little bit, to be honest with you, because I'd had to pay all that money out and deposits, all the hidden costs that you don't realize yeah. when you first move over. And I'd walked away from the commission in the UK. And I was like, my wife's like, are you sure this is going to work? And I'm like, yeah, it'll be fine. Like, if there's just, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, and I had to start this thing off from scratch. But within a few weeks, I was like, actually, there's money to be made here. And, um, you know, I, I could see, I was like, look, you know, let's just for the next few weeks, it's going to be, you know, chicken rice. But <laughs> I think like, you know, soon, soon, soon we might be able to get a few steak dinners in there if it continues that way. And, you know, fortunately enough, it did. Wow. Great story. I'm just like blown away, to be honest, because I, well, I didn't know this whole story that you share with me. So I'm just like, I was like listening like a child, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> What a funny story. So just a couple of questions regarding, you know, your answer, because I feel like you don't really worry that much. And then I feel like you are a more type of person who just go with the flow kind of vibe, I feel. Um, obviously, when you decided to move to Singapore, there was a risk. Um, you know, maybe it could have not worked out. Maybe, you know, you don't have a enough money to pay your deposit or all this all those hidden costs but nonetheless you did it um did you have any plan b in your mind or what's the secret that you can just like you know like all the things that you've done you were auditioning to be to to just have fun for fun and you were doing you know trainer and then you moved to spain you met your wife and then come back and doing an it recruiter and then go to switzerland and then you know job job interview and then move to singapore what's your secret to be you know behind um there's no secret there's no like to be honest with you it's just um (laughs) i don't i'm gonna be like the the forrest gump of it recruitment (laughs) um i don't know like it's just you know, life's pretty short, right? And I just wanted to have a good time. And I, I guess I, I just didn't want to be the person with, with regrets living this, like what I would consider to be a mundane life. And like, you know, I'd, I'd much prefer to give something a shot, realize I suck at it, but know I suck at it, than have never given it a shot, right? I mean, if I'd, if, if I'd have failed over here and gone back, at least I would have known. I wouldn't have been sat there in my armchair as an old man going, what if I'd have given that a go? That would be a lot more of an issue for me. Um, you know, I, I prefer to know it's like anything, like, you know, anything in life, um, you know, give it a shot. And if I've always been okay, if I've not been up to the mark needed, because then at least I've known it's always bothered me the most when I haven't tried. Wow. 
Exactly, exactly. And now you've been living in Singapore more than ten years ago. Ten, well, more, more than ten years now. Do you do you love Singapore, or do you feel itchy time to time? You know what? I mean, I, I love Singapore. My my kids were born here, right? I mean, it's uh, it's, it's a crazy thing when I look at their passports. They were born in Singapore. I think. I mean, look. Given the current pandemic, I think everyone's been feeling itchy. I mean, we've not、yeah. been able to travel anywhere and. You know, one of the great things about Singapore is its proximity to everywhere else. And the role I do now, I cover you know Asia Pacific and Japan, which you know is some of the, my, my favorite countries in the world. So generally, I get to travel fairly frequently with business or a cheeky weekend to Bali or Thailand. Oh, and then for the、nice. last nearly two years, that's been taken away. So you're absolutely feeling itchy. I think you know if. if When things start to get back to normal, hopefully that itch will go away. But I think you know we're all feeling it. I mean, I'm just excited to get on a plane again and go anywhere. To be honest with you, but、yeah. I mean, Singapore, you know, even though it's it's not been at its best for the last year and a half because of the pandemic, it's still an amazing place to be with lots of opportunities. And I think you know I've made some amazing friends here, like amazing friends, because the expat community. You really do stick together. You're you're a family away from home, and there's there's people that I've met and had some amazing experiences with. They'll be friends with forever. So you know, I'd never give that up. And just you know, just seeing you know, I was went to this small school. It was nice, but it was like you know, everyone kind of looked the same, sounded the same. You know, if I look at the, the school my kids go to here, they learn a lot. They're learning Mandarin. They got friends from all over the world. It's like. They're just going to grow up that international perspective, which is what I really like. So I think if we can get back to some traveling here, and I can have my my trips away, and my kids can have their trips away, you know, I'll be that itch will go. But right now, it's a it's a it's, it's, it's a small place to be, and like I've been sat in this、um, kind of spare room, otherwise known as the office, for nearly two years now, wearing tracky so tracky pants. pants every day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing a collared, you know, a collared polo today, which is probably as smart as I've been in some time. So yeah, when things get back to some sort of sense of normality, I think the itch will go. Yeah, well, everyone's on the same page, including me, I guess. Yeah.、Um, but yeah, like I also lived in Singapore for about four years, and by far, it's one of the best countries on earth. I think if. You know, like as you mentioned, you can travel anywhere. You know, this weekend we can go to Bali. Next weekend we can go to Phuket, or we can go to Japan. Like proximity is amazing. I think that's one of the benefits living in Singapore. That's why a lot of people really wish to live in Singapore as well.、Um, are there any cultural differences that you experienced when you first moved to Singapore, or even now as well? I mean, yeah, I mean it's. it's、um... This, this, I mean, I mean Singapore is pretty Western, right? I mean, let, let, let's be honest; it's not the hardest place in the world. I mean, you know, I've spent a lot of time in, in China and Japan. Like, they are, you know, far more, you know, more difficult, I guess, to kind of integrate yourself into. So Singapore, not so much. But there's just a, a few, a few funny little things、uh, when you first come over. And I was, you know, when people would call me uncle for the first time, that would always be weird. And then just,、um, just some of the Singlish phrases that people、mm-hmm. use, which I, which I, which I like. I'm still not fluent in Singlish, but you know I, I enjoy that. So it's not it, it's not massively, but it's interesting because you're meeting people from all over the world. So you sort of get in their cultures and things.、So、it's not just from Singapore. It's when you go traveling across the region and figuring out stuff there. And just 
you know, meeting people from different countries here and, you know, their little nuances. So you're always learning something, uh, I think. You know, as I said, but Singapore is a pretty soft landing for an expat. You know, I've got, you know, family members whose names are probably not the most worldly wise people in the world. I'm pretty sure they think I live in China and um, <laughs> <laughs> have to, like, eat some weird and wonderful things every day. I mean, I, I remember explaining to an auntie of mine once that at the time I literally had two McDonald's within a, a 200-yard radius of me, and she seemed very shocked. So, um, yeah, not, not, not massive cultural differences, um, to be honest with you. I guess, like, you're a very open-minded person as well, and you really love to learn new cultures. So I guess, you know, we don't really find it Tough, or you know, too many cultural differences. Like I find it interesting. So I grew up in a really small town, and it was nice and it was safe, but nothing ever happened. It was the original like sleepy town. I mean, so coming away and just meeting people from different places. I've always um, had a curious mind. I was never academic per se, but I really enjoy learning about the world and learning about people and what makes them tick and, and their interests. Hmm. And that's that's super interesting for me. And you know, there's a lot of talk now around. And diversity and inclusion in work and that's something I'm passionate about and I believe in it because I think it's you know diversity is not just you know gender or ethnicity it's, it's diversity of thought and exactly. when you get a group of people together from different backgrounds different experience I think amazing things can happen and if, if I look at the team that I have right now which is it's getting pretty big and the amount of nationalities there and we we get on a call and have a discussion they'll come up with things that I would just never have thought about before and you know, that to me is is super interesting. I really love that, you know, how you define the diversity and inclusion just now, because I 100% agree with you on that. It's not just about ethnicity. It's not just about, you know, gender per se. It's really about the uh, diverse thought, I guess. So that yeah. is really going to change how, you know, workplace is now to to be better. So I am really glad that you you mentioned that. Uh, just a couple of you know questions more here. As we have a a lot of job seekers from the globe listening to this podcast, and you know, as a um, you know talent acquisition managers yourself, and also as a person who transitioned his career multiple times and moving to different country, um, do you have any? advice or tips that you want to share because i know that you know a lot of people out there they want to change their career they feel sort of like stuck in this career but they, they just don't know how to change you know come to a complete different career etc or if anyone who wants to move to a different country but they don't know where to start do you have any tips to share yeah i mean i mean you know, I work in cybersecurity, which is an amazing industry to be in. Like we've got, depending on who you listen to, between two and a half million and three million job shortages in, in APAC, meaning there's like we just can't find the talent because cybersecurity is still a new thing. Um, you know, if if you're technically inclined, I would recommend anybody to take a cybersecurity course or go into that because honestly, right now, we really struggle to find the talent. And there's so many open roles. So anything cloud and security, I highly recommend it. So I've been telling my daughters, you know, learn Mandarin, get into coding, yes. get into cybersecurity, then daddy can retire. So <laughs> I think you know, that would be, and, you know, and we're running courses ourselves as a, as a company where we're, we, you know, people later on in careers, 
can transition and do courses. And, and lots of lots of organisations, lots of universities are doing these courses now. So I'm quite biased because this is self-serving that people get into the cybersecurity. But that that's that's a good one for job seekers in general. It's the, one of my bugbears. I mean, if, if people if you're going to get an interview anywhere, right, just just make sure you're well researched on the company. There are still and you know the people they'll just they'll send their CV to, to twenty companies mm-hmm. in one go, and you'll give them a call and it's like, hey, why us? And they don't know, or you can hear them googling you at the time. It's just a bit of preparation, and, and if you're going to an interview, do your research. And that's not just looking at the JD. It's not just looking at the company website. It, it's reading some third party thing, and just asking some interesting questions. I think, you know. Also, I mean, we were looking at some statistics earlier, and like, you know, the majority, and this is globally, of, of you know referrals into jobs often carry more weight than a direct application unfortunately or unfortunately so i think if you are gonna have a direct application um make yourself stand out make your cv stand out that's super important we ran a course recently on what a recruiter looks for you basically got seven seconds to capture Mm -hmm. a recruiter's attention and one of my team did this amazing thing where basically it was showing like an eye map of where people look. So go and check that out if you get an opportunity, because that really helps because you literally have seven seconds before you click onto the next one. Um, I think the old fashioned stuff of always, you know, the people that will reach out to me directly and be like, hey, you know, I, and I like that. It makes them stand out a little bit more yeah. as well. So I kind of I, I recommend that. I think sometimes you have to be able to hustle a little bit to stand out from the crowd. Um, they're the major things that I would be, and then and just ask questions and, and, and be curious. You know, when you get to the end of an interview, sometimes and people don't have any questions. I find that, I find that strange. Exactly. I, I 100% agree with you on that because the more you know about the company, the more you're interested in that company, you are going to have some questions because obviously you will be curious <laughs> about how the company is and what you're going to do and how you're going to do well in the company. So definitely prepare for some questions. Uh, thanks for yeah. the advice. Um, just one last question. Uh, I, I ask this question to every guest. Um, what's your favorite book? that you'd like to recommend to the listener? You know what? I wish I, I could I could sit here now and pretend and give you all of these names of these Stephen Covey books. And, <laughs> you know, pretend I've read all of these, you know. Uh, if, if, if truth be told, you know, I, I haven't. I mean, I guess my, my favourite book of all time is, is 1984 by George Orwell, but it's I, I tend to prefer autobiographies. And I think, mm. you know, reading autobiographies of people that, tend to inspire there that that's what i like um it might not be for everybody but i wouldn't necessarily say there's there's no book out there that necessarily teaches you how to be a recruiter so i'd just say find you know an autobiography of somebody that inspires you and you know just go and take something from that that's that's what i do uh, i don't read as much as i should when i uh, you know when you asked me that question i felt a little bit guilty <laughs> no um, you do so you I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll go and buy a book over the weekend <laughs> well thanks so much for your time adam it was really you know i really enjoyed a lot um, and it was really helpful thank you any anything that you want to talk about before we end 
no, I appreciate I appreciate you inviting me on. And um, as, as I say, like it was, uh, it was it was nice to have a, a reason to put on like a, a collared shirt on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> normally, normally by this stage, I've got my full comfy clothes on. So, yeah, so I appreciate that. And you gave me an excuse to do my hair, so thank you. Oh, okay. <laughs> thank you, Adam. <laughs> Cheers, Lucy. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us this week. Hope you learned something new from this episode and now you are motivated and fired up to make your dream come true. Make sure to share with others who might need to listen to this podcast because this is something they needed to listen to to be inspired. We never know. Lastly, be sure to subscribe and follow Self Made Express with Lucy John on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And I will talk to you very soon. Thanks for being here.